everyone. This is the sixth episode of the Percy Jackson podcast. So, we're going to play Capture the Flag today. I oh got, I love those. But we were kind of left with a cliffhanger, weren't we, about the dream that Percy had. Let's see what happens next. The next morning after breakfast, I told Grover about my dream. We sat in the meadow, watching the satyrs chase the wood nymphs through the snow. The nymphs had promised to kiss the satyrs if they got caught, and they hardly ever did. Usually, a nymph would let the satyr get a full head of the stream, and then she'd turn into a snow-covered tree, and the poor satyr would slam into it head first and get a pile of snow dumped on him. When I told Robo my nightmare, he started twirling his finger in his shaggy leg fur. A cave ceiling collapsed on her, he asked. Yeah, what the heck does that mean? Grover shook his head. I don't know, but afterwards Zoe dreamed. Whoa, what do you mean? Zoe had a dream like that? I I don't know exactly, but three in the morning she came to the big house and demanded to talk to Chiron. She looked really panicked. Wait, how do you know this? Grover blushed. I saw her camped outside the Arima's cabin. What for? Just to be, you know, near them. You're a stalker with roofs. I am not. Anyway, I followed her to the big house and hid behind a bush and watched the whole thing. She got really upset when Argus wouldn't let her in. It was kind of a dangerous scene. I tried to imagine that. Argus was the head of security for camp, a big blonde dude with eyes all over his body. He really showed himself unless something serious was going on. I wouldn't stand to take uh, to place bets on a fight between him and Zoe Nightshade. What did she say? I asked. Grover grimaced. Well, she started talking really old-fashioned when she gets upset, so it's kind of hard to understand. But something about Artemis being in trouble and needing the hunters. And then she called Argus a boy-brained ladder. I think that's a bad thing. And then he called her, whoa, wait. How could Artemis be in trouble? Well, um, finally Khan came out of his pajamas and he had his horse tail in colors and he wears colors in his tail? Grover covered his mouth. Sorry, I said, go on. Well, Zoe said he, she needed permission to leave camp immediately. Chiron refused. He reminded Zoe that the hunters were supposed to stay here until they received orders from Artemis. And she said, Grover gulped, she said, how are we supposed to get orders from Artemis if Artemis is lost? What do you mean lost? Like she needs directions? No. I think she means gone, taken, kidnapped. Kidnapped? I try to get my mind around that idea. How could you kidnap an immortal goddess? Is that even possible? Well, yeah, I mean, it happened to Persephone. But she was like the goddess of flowers. Grover looked offended. Springtime. Whatever, Artemis is a lot more powerful than that. Who could kidnap her? And why? He shook his head miserably. I don't know. Kronos? He can be that powerful already, can he? 
The last time we'd seen Kronos, he'd been in tiny pieces. Well, we hadn't actually seen him. Thousands of years ago, after the big Titan God War, the gods had sliced him into bits with his own sight and scattered his remains in Tartarus, which is like the gods' bottomless recycling bin for their enemies. Two summers ago, Kronos had tricked us to the very edge of the pit and almost pulled us in. Then last summer, on board Luke's demon cruise ship, we'd seen a golden coffin where Luke claimed he was summoning the Titan Lord out of the abyss, bit by bit, every time someone new joined their cause. Kronos could influence people with dreams and trick them. And I didn't see how he could physically overcome Artemis if he was still like a pile of evil bark mulch. I don't know, Groza said. I think somebody would know if Kronos had reformed. The gods would be more nervous. But still, it's weird. You having a nightmare the same night as Zoe. It's almost like they're connected. I finished. Over the frozen meadow, a satyr skirted on his hooves as he chased after a red-headed trainer. She giggled and held out her arms as he ran towards her. Pop! She turned into a scotch pine and he kissed the trunk at top speed. Ah, oh, love, Grover said dreamily. I thought about Zoe's nightmare, which she had only a few hours after mine. I've got to talk to Zoe, I said. Um, before you go... Grover took something out of his coat pocket. It was a threefold display like a travel brochure. You remember what you said about it was weird that the hunters would just happen to show up at Westover Hall? I think they might have been scouting us. Scouting us? What do you mean? He gave me the brochure. It was about the hunters of Artemis. The front read, A wise choice for your future. Inside were pictures of young maidens doing hunter stuff, chasing monsters, shooting bows. There were captions like, Health benefits, immortality, and what it means for you, and a boy free tomorrow. I found that in Annabeth's backpack, Grover said. I stared at him. I, I don't understand. Well, he said, it seems to me... Maybe. Ambert was thinking about joining. I'd like to say I took the news well. The truth was, I wanted to strangle the hunters of Artemis one eternal maiden at a time. The rest of the day, I tried to keep busy, but I was worried, sick about Annabeth. I went to javelin throwing class, but the Ares camper in the charge yelled at me after I got distracted and threw the javelin at the target before he got out of the way. I apologized for the hole in his trousers, but he still sent me packing. I visited the Pegasus table, but Selena Beauregard from the Aphrodite cabin was having an argument with one of the hunters, and I decided I'd better not get involved. After that, I sat in the empty chariot stands and sucked down at the archery fields. Chiron was conducting target practice. I knew he'd be the best person to talk to. Maybe he could give me some advice. But something held me back. I had a feeling Chiron would try to protect me like he always did. He might not tell me everything he knows. I looked in the other direction at the top of the half-blood hill. Mr. D and Argus were feeding the baby dragon that guarded the golden fleece. Then it occurred to me, no one would be in the big house. There was someone else, something else. I could ask for guidance. My blood was humming in my ears as I ran into the house and took the stairs.
I'd only done this one before and I still had nightmares about it. I opened the trap door and stepped into the attic. The room was dark and dusty and clouded with junk, just like I remembered. There were shields with monster bites out of them and swords bent in the shapes of demon heads and bunch of taxidermy like a stuffed harpy and a bright orange python. Over by the window, sitting on a three-legged stool, was the shriveled-up mummy of an old lady with a tie-dyed hippie dress. Eureka. I made myself walk towards her. I waited for the green mist to billow from the mummy's mouth like it had before. But nothing happened. Hi. What's up? I winced at how stupid that sounded. Not much could be up when you're dead and stuck in the attic. But I knew the spirit of the oracle was in there somewhere. I could feel a cold presence in the room like a cold sleeping snake. I have a question. I need to know about Annabeth. How can I save her? No answer. The sun slanted through the dirty attic window, making the dust motes dance in the air. I waited longer, then I got angry. I was being stonewalled by a corpse. All right, I said fine, I figured it out myself. I turned and bumped into a big table full of souvenirs. It seemed more cluttered than the last time I was here. Heroes stored all kinds of stuff in the attic, quest trophies they no longer wanted to keep in their cabins, or stuff that held painful memories. A new Luke had stored a dragon claw somewhere up here, the one that had scarred his face. There was a broken sword hilt labeled, This broke and, k- and Leroy got killed, 1999. Epic. Then I noticed a pink scarf with the labels attached to it. I picked up the tag and tried to read it. Scarf of Goddess Aphrodite, recovered at Waterland, Denver, by Annabelle Chase and Percy Jackson. I stared at the scarf. I totally forgotten about it. Two years ago, Annabeth had ripped the scarf out of my hands and said something like, Oh no, no love magic for you. I just assumed she'd thrown it away, and yet, here it was. She kept it all this time? And why had she stashed it in the attic? I turned to the mummy. She hadn't moved, but the shadows across her face made it look like she was smiling gruesomely. I dropped the scarf and tried not to run towards the exit. That night after dinner, I was seriously ready to be the hunters that captured the flag. It was going to be a small game, only 13 hunters including Bianca D'Angelo and about the same number of campers. Zoe and I cheered, looked pretty upset. She kept glancing resentfully at Chiron, like she couldn't believe he was making her do this. The other hunters didn't look too happy either. Unlike last night, they weren't laughing or joking around. They just huddled together in the dining pavilion, whispering nervously to each other as they strapped on their armor. Some of them even looked like they had been crying. I guess Zoe had told them about her nightmare. On our team, we had Beckendorf and two other Hephaestus guys, a few from the Ares cabin, but it still seemed strange that Clarice wasn't around. The Stoll brothers and Nico from the Hermes cabin, and a few Aphrodite kids. It was weird that Aphrodite came and wanted to play. Usually they sat on the sidelines, chattered and checked their reflections in the river and stuff. But when they heard we were fighting the hunters, they were raring to go. 
I'll show them love it is worthless. Selena Burgor grumbled as she strapped on her armor. I'll pulverize them. That left Talia and me. I'll take the offense. She volunteered. You take defense. Uh, I hesitated because I'd better say the exact same thing, only reversed. Don't you think with your shield and all, you'd be better defense? Talia already had ages on her arm, and even her own teammates were giving her a wide berth, trying not to cower before the bronze head of Medusa. Well, I was thinking it would be better offense. Talia said, besides, you had more practice at defense. I wasn't sure if she was teasing me, though I had some pretty bad experience with defense and captured the flag my first year, Annabelle had put me out as a kind of bait, and I had almost been gored to death with spears and killed by a hellhound. Yeah. No problem, I like. Cool. Talia turned to help some of the Aphrodite kids who were having trouble suiting up their armors without breaking their nails. Nicolangelo ran up to me with a big grin on his face. Pussy, this is awesome! His blue feathered bronze helmet was falling in his eyes and his breastplate was about six sizes too big. I wondered if there was any way I'd look that ridiculous when I'd first arrived. Unfortunately, I probably have. Nicole lifted his sword with effort. Do we get to kill the other team? Well, no. But the hunters are immortal, right? That's only if they don't fall in battle. Besides, it could be awesome if we just like resurrected as soon as they were killed. And we could keep fighting and... Nicole, this is serious. Real swords, these can hurt. He stared at me a little disappointed, and I realized that I just sounded like my mother. Oh, not a good sign. I patted Nico on the shoulder. Hey, it's cool. Just follow the team. Stay out of Zoe's way. We'll have a blast. Caron's hoof thundered on the pavilion floor. Heroes, he called. You know the rules. The river is the boundary line. Blue team, Camp Haplot, shall take the westwards. Hundreds of Artemis, red team, shall take the eastwards. I'll serve as referee and battlefield medic. No intentional maiming, please. All magic items are allowed to your positions. Sweet, Echo whispered next to me. What kind of magic items do I get one? I was about to break it to him that he didn't when Thalia said, Blue Tim, follow me. The children followed. I had to run to catch up and tripped over somebody's shield, so I didn't look much like a co-captain, more like an idiot. We set our flag at the top of Zeus's fist. It's this cluster of boulders in the middle of the westwards that if you look at it just the right way, looks like a huge fist sticking out of the ground. If you look at it from any other side, it looked like a pile of enormous deer droppings. But Chiron would let us call the, the place poop pile, especially after it had been named for Zeus, which doesn't have much of a sense of humor. Anyway, it was a good place to set the flag. The top of the border was six meters tall and literally hard to climb. So the flag was clearly vis visible like the rules said it had to be and it didn't matter that the gods weren't allowed to stand within ten meters of it. I set Nico on guard duty with Beckendorf and the Stoll brothers, figuring he'd be safely out of the way. We'll send out a decoy to the left, Thalia told the team. Selena, you'll need that. Got it. 
Kick, Laurel, and Jason, the good runners. Make a wide arc around the hunters. Attack as many as you can. I'll take the main raiding party round to the right and catch them by surprise. Everyone nodded. It sounded good, and Thalia said with such confidence he couldn't help but believe it would work. She looked at me. Anything to add, Percy? Um, yeah. Just keep sharp in the defense. We've got four gods, two scouts. That's not much of a big forest. I'll be roving. Tell, yell if you need any help. And don't leave your post, Thalia said. Unless you see a golden opportunity, I added. Thalia scout, just don't leave your post. Right, unless... Percy, she touched my arm and shocked me. I mean, everybody can give static shocks in the weather, but when Thalia does, it hurts. I guess because her dad is the god of lightning. She's been known to fry off people's eyebrows. Sorry, she said. Although she didn't sound particularly sorry. Now, is everyone clear? Everybody nodded. We broke into a smaller group. The horn sounded and the game began. Solomon's group disappeared into the woods to the left. Thalia's group gave it a few seconds and darted off towards the right. I waited for something to happen. I climbed Zeus's fist and had a good view of the forest. I remembered how the hunters had stormed out of the woods when they fought the manticore, and I was prepared for something like that. One huge charge that could overwhelm us, but nothing happened. I caught a glimpse of Selena and her two scouts. They ran through a clearing, followed by five of the hunters, heading them deep into the woods, away from Thalia. The plan seemed to be working. Then I spotted another clump of hunters heading to the right. Bows ready. They must have spotted Thalia. What's happening? Nico demanded, trying to climb up next to me. My mind was racing. Thalia would never get through. But the hunters were divided with that many on either flank. Their center must be wide open if I moved fast. I looked at Beckendorf. Can you guys hold the fort? He snorted. Of course. I'm going in. The Star Brothers and Nico cheered as they raced towards the boundary line. I was running at top speed and I felt great. I leapt over the creek and into enemy territory. I could see the silver flag up ahead, only one guard, who wasn't even looking in my direction. I heard fighting to my left and right somewhere in the woods. I had did main. The guard turned the last mirror. There was Bianca D'Angelo. Her eyes widened and I slammed into her, and she went sprawling into the snow. Sorry, I yelled. I ripped down the silver flag from the tree and took off. I was ten meters away before Bianca managed to yell for help. I thought I was home free. Zip! A silvery cord raced across my ankles and fastened to the tree next to me. A tripwire fired from a bow. Before I could even think about stopping, I went down hard, sprawling in the snow. Percy! Thalia yelled off to my left. What are you doing? Before she reached me, an arrow exploded at her feet and a cloud of yellow smoke billowed around her team. They started coughing and gagging and I could smell the gas from across the woods, the horrible smell of sulfur. Not fair for arrows or unsportsmanlike. I got up and started running again. Only a few meters to the river and I had the game. More arrows whizzed past my ears. A hunter came out of nowhere and slashed at me with a knife, but I parried and kept running. I heard yelling from outside of the river. Beckendorf and Nico were running towards me. I thought they were coming to welcome me back, but then I saw they were chasing someone. Zoe and I cheated, racing towards me like a cheetah, dodging campers with no trouble. And she had her flag in her hands. No, I yelled and poured on the speed. 
I was a meter from the water when Zoe bolted across to her own side, slamming into me for good measure. The huntress cheered as both sides converged on the creek. Chiron appeared out of the woods looking grim. He had the Stall brothers on his back, and it looked like both of them had taken some nasty whacks on the head. Connor and Stall had two arrows sticking out of his helmet like antenna. The hunters win, Chiron announced without pleasure, and then he muttered for 56th time in a row. Versus Jackson! Thalia yelled, storming towards me. She smelled like rotten eggs, and she was so mad that blue sparks flickered on her armor. Everybody cringed and backed up because of ages. It took all my willpower not to cower. What in the name of gods were you thinking? She bellowed. I bowled my fists. I've had enough of bad stuff happen to me for one day. I didn't need this. I got the flat, Thalia. I shook it in her face. I saw a chance, and I took it. I was at their base, Thalia yelled, but the flag was gone. If you hadn't butted in, we would have won. You had too many on you. Oh, so it's my fault? I didn't say that. Oh, she pushed me and a shock went through my body. It blew me backwards three meters into the water. Some of the hunters gasped. A couple of the hunters tipped laughs. Sorry, Thalia said, turning, but I didn't mean to. Anger roared in my ears. A wave erupted from the river, blasting into Thalia's face and dusting her from head to toe. I stood up. Yeah, I growled. I didn't mean to either. Thalia was breathing heavily. Enough, Chiron ordered. But Thalia held out her spear. You want some seabed brain? Somehow it was okay when Annabeth called me that. At least I got used to it. But hearing it from Thalia was not cool. Bring it on, pinecone face. I raised Riptide, but before I could even defend myself, Thalia yelled and a blast of lightning came down from the sky. Hit her spear like a lightning rod and slammed into my chest. I sat down hard. It was a burning smell. I had feeling it was my clothes. Thalia, that is enough, Chiron said. I got to my feet and willed the entire river to rise. It swirled up hundreds of gallons of water in a massive icy funnel cloud. Pussy, Chiron pleaded. I was about to hurl the Thalia when I saw something in the woods. I lost my anger and my concentration all at once. The water splashed back into the riverbed. Thalia was so surprised she turned to see what I was looking at. Someone, something was approaching. It was shrouded in a murky green mist, but as it got closer, the campers and the hunters gasped. This is impossible, Karan said. I'd never heard him so nervous before. She had never left the attic. Never. And yet the withered mummy that held the oracle shuffled forward until she stood in the center of the group. Mist curled around our feet, turning the snow a sickly shade of green. None of us dared to move. Then her voice hissed inside my head. Apparently, everyone could hear it because several clutched their hands over the years. I am the spirit of Delphi, the voice said, speaker of the prophecies of Phoebus Apollo, slayer of the mighty Python. The oracle regarded me with cold, dead eyes. Then she turned 
unmistakably towards Zoe Nightshade. Approach, seeker, and ask. Zoe swallowed. What's, what must I do to save my goddess? The oracle's mouth opened and green mist poured out. I saw the vague image of a mountain and a girl standing at the barren peak. It was Artemis, but she was wrapped in chains, fettered to the rocks. She was kneeling, her hands raised as if to fend off an attacker, and it looked like she was in pain. The oracle spoke. Five shall go west to the goddess in chains. One shall be lost in the land without rain. The bane of Olympus shows the trail. Campers and hunters combined prevail. The titan's curse must one withstand, and one shall perish by a parent's hand. Then, as we were watching, the mist swirled and retreated like a great green serpent into the mummy's mouth. The oracle sat down on a rock and became as still as she'd ever been in the attic, as if she might sit by this creek for a hundred years. Wow. That was one depressing prophecy, wasn't it? Like, they say that at least two people will die. One shall be lost in the land without rain. One shall perish by a parent's hand. God. It's a really depressing book. Tune in only on the Percy Jackson podcast for the next episode and to listen to what happens next.